be honest. Oh, I'm starting to believe something's wrong with me. Cause every day, every night, every hour, every minute, I'm thinking about it. Black Aerodynamic Affirmations, designed to keep your spirit soaring high. You're listening to We Fly, a podcast. Uh, I like it like that. She working at back. She don't know how to act slow motion for me. Slow motion for me. Big Diva! No, was it how was it go? Oh! But you gotta go low with it. At the end? Yeah, you gotta go. You already know! You already! You gotta do it. You already know! Girl down. Gotta do it like that. Yo, wasn't Frida like the dopest show to ever grace TV? It was on Fuse. Your girl, Big Frida, the Bounce Queen Diva. It was such a beautiful show. It was like one of my favorite shows to watch when we were in the Chuck. Yes. Yeah, that was one of the best parts of the summer. It's fine and all. We watched five seasons on Hulu and it was probably the best... um, the best reality show I've ever seen. And I love them all. And I can't wait for season six. I got to play catch up. Well, correction, we binge watched. Like we I mean, we accidentally like we were like passing by the TV. It was like, yo, what's this about? And then we was like, oh, bounce music? Wait a minute. Big and you freedom? expect it to be all types of mess, but yeah, it, actually it was right. Was, it was it was heartbreaking, you know, going through the uh the tragedy of seeing her she you know, Big Free to lose her, her mom and then um seeing all the, the stuff she was going through with like going through different managers it was very interesting i want to say something because you brought up binge watching and i've recently been trying to figure out why i have no loyalty to anyone regarding if we watching a show together like if i got time to see the next episode <laughs> i'm gonna watch, I'm it. Gonna watch <laughs> it and i've been trying to get down to the bottom of why i feel that way because apparently others don't feel that way i mean but yo this yo this there has to look if i start something with you and you watch more episodes than me I'm gonna feel some type of way because I feel we started you. this together. I get it. But listen, me and my mama was reading Harry Potter, and yeah. we had one copy. We was reading it together. She wasn't supposed to get ahead of me. And one time, me and my daddy and Simeon pulled up to Wendy's, and my mama was in Wendy's parking lot already <laughs> reading ahead of me on Harry Potter. And I went up to her window. Did you walk like, up to her like yes. you were a, an episode of Cheaters? Like, what are yes, you doing? Exactly like that. What are like, you doing? You were not here? supposed to read ahead of me. You know. <laughs> then after that, we ended up getting two copies of all the Harry Potter books. So is it that you need time. to be up with the going up on, so like everybody else that has read the book already, nah. or just? No, I just feel like you need to every, every man same. for himself. Oh. oh my! Based on that, okay. Oh, with my mother. okay. Yeah, me she and my ex-boyfriend used to do that. Like we used to watch like a lot of different shows on um, the CW, mm-hmm. like Rain and the One Hundred and Arrow, and a bunch of shows. Arrow. And like on my days off, like I would just like go in and try and catch up to what he had already watched the night before, because I would have to go to work early, mm-hmm. and so. He would just be up watching them. And I'd be like, well, 
as soon as I get home, I'm about to catch up on these shows. But then mm-hmm. I go a little too far, and then you get upset. So I know people do be feeling that way. So this is We Fly Podcast, Episode Three. I'm Sarah. I am Jaha. And I'm Dennis. Sarah, what are we talking about today? What What is the main theme of this show? Well, as we know, we're starting off this season with the Black Mental Health Matters, a holistic approach. And so we definitely talked about what our ideals were about self-care and mental health with our parents and our families in the first one. Our last episode, we talked a lot about our personal struggles with depression, how we were coping. We talked about epigenetics. This episode, we wanted to talk about sexuality. And that is because when you're thinking about your mental health and holistic health, sexuality plays a big role in that. Mm. And I don't think all of us are always learning about sex in a healthy way. So we definitely just want to talk about that. And we have our good friend, Dennis Badger, here with us. Yes, I am here. I'm excited. Yes, we're glad to have you. We know that you have so much insight about sexuality, about life. And we're like, who else is the source in our lives? Dennis. (laughs) So we're glad to have you on the show. Yes. So I think we're going to start with our check-in. You know what? No. I actually want you to tell us a little bit about yourself now. Just so everybody can kind of find out who you are. Dennis and I have known each other for 11 years. Yes. We met in 2006. Yes. Our junior year. No, about to start our senior year mm-hmm. of high school working at Buford Fun Park. We've been ace boom coons ever yes. since. So, Dennis, just talk a little bit about who you are, where you're from, what you do. My name is Dennis Badger. I am 27 years old. I like long walks on the beach. Yes. All that good jazz. Tell it. I am originally from the same place that Sarah's from. I'm originally from Beaufort, South Carolina. I was Ooh. born and raised there. Um, I come from a fairly large family. Uh, my intermediate family is small. My um, I have my mom and dad, of course, that made me. Mm-hmm. And I am the oldest of two. I have a younger sister that is now 22. Oh, oh my gosh, she's getting so much old. Killing the game. Ooh, yes. she. Yeah, she's not playing any games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm born and raised um, in Beaufort, South Carolina. And I consider myself to be quite an entrepreneur. I feel that ambition runs rampant in my blood. But, you know. I'm a, I'm a hustler, you know? As Drake would say, I'm the GOAT. Yes. I know a few things. Dennis, yes. has, Dennis has at least eight jobs that I know of. <laughs> like, the government doesn't know about the other three or four of them. And they won't know because they know don't deserve work. it. They don't deserve it. That's right. They're Dennis, asking for my student loan money. Dennis' life is basically that. he gets up, goes to his first job for 13 minutes, <laughs> goes to another job for 15 minutes, goes to the other job for 14 minutes, <laughs> takes a break and it goes start back from the beginning of that and then goes to another job and it's just that would not be a beneficial schedule but he does work very hard yes i i do a few things i remember the time when i would legit leave here at about 7 30 mm-hmm. and go to my full-time job work there until 5 30 have 30 minutes to be at my part-time job by six o'clock mm-hmm. and be in the process of changing clothes to get to my part-time while I'm driving to my job. Wow. Then I would work there, get off at 11, and then I would drive for Lyft 
from like 11 to like 1 or 2, come home, mm-hmm. get some hours of sleep and do it all over again. My lord. But I was in the process of trying to like build my business because I have an event planning company. Yes. So that's what I... <laughs> Yes. That's what I was just, that's my baby, so I've been growing that's it. What I'm and about. at that point, I was just gung ho because within the next three to five years, my plan is to walk away from all of corporate America and just be my own. Tell it, tell it, wow, that's what I'm talking well, about. Well, Lord. Well, Lord. So, you know, you got to pay the cost to be the boss. Yes. And Dennis has really actually been doing that as long as I've known him. And uh, it seems like before, so I'm excited to get started because Dennis and I went to college together. Yes. So there are lots of funny stories in regards <laughs> to the topic that we can share. Don't know that we'll do all of that, but Ooh. it's going to be a good conversation. So, um, James, do you want to check in? Uh, check in for today. I'll start checking. You know, from our previous podcast, we always do a check in. It's basically to let you know how we're doing. And you know, give you a little update of what's going on in our lives. Well, my check-in for today is it's a positive one. I've been getting up a lot earlier. I have a new job. I'm a substitute teacher. I love teaching. It's a gift. It's fun being in that environment. And it's great to be around the youth to see, to see their dreams. Mm-hmm. To see how yes. positive. To see how they're still invested in the future. They still feel like they could do anything. Yes. And I love that. That's so cool. But on the side note, they are very petty. <laughs> they're very they're still growing up in society. They're still. so <laughs> the kids are so petty. They like are still woke. They'll tell on each other and they will go around and just start stuff. Like, yo, what are y'all doing? Like, do your work. But it's so funny seeing these little humans you know interact with each other and that's cool uh, another thing is um i have been doing some new remodeling if you will to my uh my designs for my website so if you're going to the website you're like where's the website where's 100 percent dark matter i had to take it down for a little bit just so i can do some redrafting of my my designs because I, I really want great quality i had great quality before but I'm a business man who does business, man. So I'm making mm-hmm. sure people get great things. I'm making sure I do that. And also, I still be on my meditation. I still try to eat the best. I'm on my green tea. And I strayed away from working out, but I'm back on it again. I'm trying to make sure I um, stay fit. The abs don't feed themselves. You got to literally you know, do your sit-ups, do your squats. You know, push-ups yes. and all that. So that's it for me. Just give me a little check-in about my life, and that's that's my check-in for today. All right. Well, checking in for me, it has actually been a rough couple of weeks, and now I'm thinking about that's definitely what I said on the last episode. But I've been having a hard time, and it's only been you know now we're three months into this year, and it's been a pretty trill year already. So. Um, Today was a pretty good day, and I felt considerably productive. I'm rebuilding my website as well. I also have a program coming up in in about a week where I'm doing some cultural history interpretation at Hampton Plantation. So I'm preparing for that, and I feel pretty optimistic. I'm not really that well-versed in astrology, but I try to pay attention. 
And so they're talking about Venus being a retrograde and what type of impact that's having on the world. And uh, I've been definitely feeling some mood swings and major hits and real lows. In fact, Monday was a really hard day, but I'm here. So that's me checking in. My check-in. I'm actually wonderful. Today was a very productive day. Um, amongst my 13 million jobs, today was my actual day that I was off from every job. Yes. Mm -hmm. So just being able to do what I needed to do for me felt good. So mm -hmm. I start out my day, I always start off kind of sluggish, but I always get up and do squats mm -hmm. because people always ask where did you get that ass? Tell them. But I always have to wake up in the morning and do squats, and I always feel empowered to do them mm -hmm. in my room, in get my naked glory. In. I, that's the only place that I get in my squats because the day begins and I just it unfurls, and I not I never always get to do as many as I want. But yes, Start I do my squats, right. and then I started my day. Usually, my off days are dedicated to doing something for my business, so. I worked on a couple proposals for uh, mm. some events that I have coming up. I, um, what else did I do? I journeyed to one of my uh, relatives' house to pick up some dishware and some wine glasses. And I felt empowered because I found out that there was a drill bit in my tire. Mm. And so I changed my tire. And um, yes. I um, posted about it on social media. So today was actually the day I po um, rejoined the social media world uh -huh. after about a week and a half because I had to take a step back to get back to the basics applaud. of me. We applaud that. Oh, De yes. Detoxing from but the media. It felt good because it seems like my entire day was dedicated to helping other people and, and doing things that I love. Like my business mm -hmm. is called Mere Dream to Reality. And it's all about like making people's dream come true. Mm -hmm. yes. And so it's all about like... Seeing people smile and making them happy. So all of the things that I do, just even in it, like being a business owner, still is to help other people. Mm -hmm. And then re-entering the social media realm, like I just got like lots of love from people. They're like, "Where have you been?" Wow. Like I thought about you today, and sure enough, I was just like, "Well, I just decided to step my foot back in the game." Yeah. But it felt good to like be doing things to make people smile and being able to like exude love as I try to do every day, and to get it back today was. It was a bit overwhelming in, in a good way. So, check in for me. Today was a good day. Yes. And I must say, from looking at your Instagram, from, you know, being absentee for a little bit. That's the right word? Absent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for, being, <laughs> for being absent for a little bit. To to see the the what what was in your tire look like someone shot an arrow at it. Like I was like, well, that's it was a legit. You know the like the bit you put in the drill to like drill holes in like wood like in a house. That's exactly what it was. I don't know how it got there, but it was like it went in through the top of the tire and came out the side of it. That is crazy. And I had been driving on the interstate for like at least twenty minutes. And then, and then you I you got start to notice. Yeah, I got yeah. to my aunt's house and then I was loading up my car and uh -huh. I didn't notice it until I had loaded up the car. So I had to mm -hmm. unload it to, to get, get the, the tire the tire out. Wow. So. But I was glad that I found it, and I was proud of myself for being able to change it. Because I posted on social media, and some of my my gay comrades, they were like, I don't know how you did that, because I would have just called AAA, and not I just would have stood on my side. Not Dennis not, not Dennis not giving you his last name. My burly cousin <laughs> definitely came outside to help me take the bin of plates out of the car, but he had no idea of how to change the tire. 
But I knocked that shit on like 10 minutes because I had right. other things to do. That's right. Dennis always went to us as long as I know him. And we done had some, <laughs> we done had some times with his cars. Oh, we've had some times because I've had some, some hoopties. And he has handled it with <laughs> care. It's been times that we made it around town. With five dollars in the gas. <laughs> I was like, Sarah, I ain't got no gas. Well, Dennis, I got five dollars, and we gotta go get something to eat. Okay. If you got five dollars dedicated to this tank, and we can go get something to eat, that's right. Oh, it's going down. You gotta look out for the cookout. Car broke down in front of your dorm. That was yeah. It's been a lot. <laughs> Dope. Intentions. Intentions. Yes. So my intentions for today is to be. It was to be more calculated and organized. Every year, I have worked on manifesting that those principles and, and making habits my religion. Making certain types of habit my religion, not just any type of habit. But one of the things that I've been trying to do is to be more responsible and accountable for how I schedule my day-to-day activities. Mm-hmm. I think in the past, I was just, let me tell y'all my sign. I'm a Gemini. And I have... He means that. I, <laughs> I think on so many things at once. Like, every time I think, like, even when I talk, and I, I know y'all hear me on the podcast, and I might, I might sound like Barack Obama because of, like, my words have like long pauses in them. It's because I'm, I'm, I'm having multiple thoughts at the same time. So I'm like, eh, you know that the uh, understanding of building this country uh, comes from a place that was founded on these principles. But back to see, I, gonna, I done got off topic and everything. <laughs> but basically, when it boils down to it, my intent is to make sure I schedule things where I don't do too much and then I'm at an event and I'm like, whoa, I was supposed to be somewhere else. Like I've, I do that a lot. I've done that so much in the past. Like I'll be sitting there, I'll be sitting down somewhere and I'll be like, well, I didn't think I had anything to do. I, I belong here. And come to find out, I actually had uh, something else that was very important to do. Across so, town. Across town. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's really across town here. Mm-hmm. Yes. So... I've been getting better at that every year. I'm 29. Yes. And I'm getting close to that 3 Yes. And I know once I step into that particular journey, it's going to... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. Yo, so Sarah just going to do some ratchet stuff while I'm talking. I can't even and like. I can't just post sign with you because I'm the one that sent that to her. And when I showed it to her, I turned it upside down on the coffee table and I said, "Just pick this up when you're ready," and set it back down, face so, down when you're ready. Okay, oh, no. okay. And um, so they just showed me a picture of Nicki Minaj when she she did like she paid homage to Little Kim in a weird way with the you know the star on her breast, the pasty on the pasty on the breast. But this picture. I know y'all seen it. <laughs> her breast is like sitting on her thigh. But any, anyway, so my intentions is to stay focused <laughs> and be more accountable about how I schedule the events in my life. Mm-hmm. Sarah, what's your intentions for today? <clears throat> so, um, as I said 
Venus is in retrograde and that's not necessarily as chaotic and crazy feeling as Mercury, but there are supposed to be a lot of lessons that I'm becoming aware of and I'm really trying to ground myself. So that's one of my major intentions is to be grounded, to have a firm and steady foundation. I just finished rereading Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler and um, I was recently looking up some of her quotes. First of all, Parable of the Sower is amazing. And one of my intentions is to just read way more Octavia Butler. But one of her quotes is that, you know, to get things done, discipline is going to take you much farther than inspiration mm. or motivation, so to speak. Like discipline, habit, that's what you got to do. Mm. And, you know, that means journaling when I don't feel like it. That means exercising. That means drinking water. That means doing yoga even when I feel really whack and still doing the push-ups <laughs> and still writing, still taking care of myself very consciously. So intending to be really disciplined about achieving what I want, feeling how I want, creating the world around me that I want. That's what I intend. My intentions today, um, and to kind of piggyback off what you said, James, is to not let anyone take me from where I was in the wonderful words of Maya Angelou. She said, don't let anybody raise you and make you change. Yes. And so, and I was just, like, we were talking about earlier, just yeah. as far as like, um, to not let anybody change the course of your day early in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so I don't let people inter, inter, like interfere with my morning ritual mm -hmm. until I'm like almost halfway to work. So I don't respond to a lot of text messages until I'm like halfway through my commute because if somebody texts me or they call me and they like want something from me or they need me to do this or do that like it just throws me off i'm like oh my god here we go and so that sets the tone for my day so i don't let anyone take my positive lighter energy from me that early in the day like i fight to keep it every day and then so like today i was just like i'm not gonna let anybody take me from what i plan to do i'm not gonna let anybody make a new schedule for me like one of my friends um we were supposed to go see the new movie Get Out. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, I'm probably not going to be able to do it today because I have this, that, and third. And then she texted me and she was like, so what time did you want to go to the movies and where did you want to go? I was like, no. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not how, that's not, no, no. That's not how this works. No. I, that would be no, funny I, if you I actually saw Get Out. No. <laughs> no I planned no, on my day no. and you're not going to take me from it. No. So I just, like, I no. had to, like, in, like, in getting phone calls and, like, different texts from people, like, when people were like canceling me, I was supposed to help one of my other coworkers paint his bedroom this mm -hmm. morning. And he was like, well, he was already left the house. I was like, okay, one thing off my list I don't have to do. But what I'm not going to do is add something else to it. Mm -hmm. So the goal was still to at least enjoy my day as it be my only day off. Mm -hmm. But yeah, to definitely not be taken from what I want to do and my intentions. Absolutely. And we know that your other intention for today was to fuck up these strawberry cupcakes because i like i bake so many of them and then do they still taste good because i want one you should eat one they're amazing you should eat one i was trying to strategically not like make it sound as though i was eating no, but no, no. they're See, so good don't like have no sound. No. they're not as light as they used to be but they're really okay. good still I, I know that people who are listening to the podcast, they can't see what's going on. So I'm going to give you <laughs> play by play what's going on. There is a jar, uh, particularly this is a 16 ounce jar of white creamy, white and it has the Pillsbury Doughboy on it. <laughs> He's on there, and it's open, and you know how you would put jelly on biscuits? That's what's happening <laughs> to these cupcakes. There's so like, I didn't. 
I didn't put icing on some of the cupcakes because I was like, well, I want James to be able to eat some if he can eat some, and I don't know if he can have frosting. So I put a lot of frosting on most of them, and then nah. the rest of them I didn't. I was just like, I don't know if you could eat frosting or not because well, I hadn't read the ingredients. Well, the thing is, I think they're lying to me because I've I've eaten things from. I remember you weren't eating brownies. Yeah, and, and then, then you I read ate those brownies, and then I read the ingredients, and it was like, oh, there's no milk in this. And I don't trust them anymore because I still feel like, <laughs> I still feel like kind of whack you know after i eat stuff even though it says it didn't have milk in it and for those who don't know i'm lactose intolerant I, I, i'm I there with you i can i my body's weird like i can eat some milk and mm-hmm. some cheese but like a strong amount of it no mm-hmm. so i know how you feel yes it's like a like a groundhog moving around in my stomach after i eat meat and, and before we cheese. we move into the serious topic of today I, I want to let you know a little bit more about these cupcakes. I know it's like kind of like <laughs> this weird observation, but like the way I look at life is a movie. I'm always watching stuff. I love details. The way Dennis took the cupcake out of this particular uh, plastic box and mm-hmm. placed it on the paper towel, he ate the cupcake the way he would have eaten that cupcake when he was a young child of adolescence and I saw your inner child as you slattered the frosty or I was like he was so content he was just like yo no one's gonna stop me now oh no (laughs) I gotta keep on moving moving into the subject of tonight well moving into the subject of the podcast uh, we're talking about sexuality we're talking about the foundation of our sexuality. We're talking about our evolution of our sexuality. And we're talking about the future of our sexuality as it pertains to our mental health. Um, the first podcast, we interviewed our parents. So, you know where we come from. Second podcast episode, we talked about mental depression. We talked about those particular symptoms. Uh, We talked about different ways you can rectify that particular situation and gain balance in your life. And I think with sexuality, we're discussing how that all plays a part of really finding completion or synchronizing yourself with all those different energies that lie within your body, within your mind, within your spirit. So sexuality is so important. We know that there are tons of individuals on both sides, non-binary sides of gender who are dealing with their sexuality. And we know that the language is almost foreign to a lot of people. It's, it's so taboo to a lot of individuals and sometimes when we have these conversations about sexuality, people just automatically go like, oh, no, not, I don't, mm, I don't talk about sex <laughs> because, you know, my mother didn't talk about sex or my dad didn't talk about sex mm-hmm. or the way my friends talked about sex, it was only from the viewpoints of society. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have my own individual ideas about sex, nor that I go out and try to learn more about it on a more independent level. So this this particular episode is dedicated 
to the sexiness of us. Yes. You know? So, sir, do you want to tell us about your sexual experience as a black woman growing up? Well, I definitely wanted to start with just talking about the narratives that we got about sex growing up. Okay. So what type of lessons that we got? What were we taught? I was definitely raised Christian. So there was an understanding that sex was for marriage. Both of my parents, particularly my mother, though, were very intentional about educating us about sexuality, about our body, about the correct words to call your body you know you didn't call an elbow something else so you needed to call a penis a penis Mm -hmm. and we knew the correct and accurate biological terms to the body parts we also had books you know that would teach about your period and just sexuality so my parents were very open definitely always encouraged us that we could talk to them about anything i didn't grow up getting a message necessarily that sex was dirty It was something that I was supposed to wait for, and it was special. You wanted to do it with someone who was also special, preferably when you're married. And, um, but I didn't, still, things that I'm learning about to date as an adult, I didn't necessarily learn about. And I'm not saying that every parent is supposed to be like, all right, and this is a 69. I remember trying to get this shirt from Limited 2 that says 69 and mama would not let me. And I was like, well, if I don't know what it is and probably nobody else knows what it means either. But anyway, she kept us very aware, but it wasn't necessarily an understanding of all that sex was, all that it could do, things that you were actually maybe supposed to expect, not expect being able to learn what you like and didn't like. All those things were something that you were supposed to do later. Mm. Which is, I think, you know, different from some of my peers. I definitely didn't get a message that sex was dirty. I just knew I wasn't supposed to be having it. Mm. A little bit about my sexual upbringing. So, being a foster kid is pretty interesting because you're in different Families, you're in different households and they have different rules and ideas. But I can't really peg a particular time when like I had the sex talk. Like I don't think anyone was like, let me pull James to the side and be like, well, son, you know, you do this with that. And this is what this does. I think I was pretty curious. And I think I was, you know, I'm a Gemini, so... I love exploration. That's what I do. You know, I love exploring and learning new things. So I always kind of had to learn on my own. I'm I'm a nerd. That's what I do. I just like research. I love research. So I just like kind of found the answers myself. I do remember with my adoptive parents that there was a time when... uh, we found this new magazine, me and my best friend, when I was in Buffalo. We found this, uh, I don't know, we'll just say Playboy magazine <laughs> underneath this sketchy ass, uh, like, high, like what, expressway bypass or something like that. And we were walking under it. And we were like, you know, kicking around bags and leaves and shit like that. And we looked down, we was like, oh, what's that? <laughs> and we pick it up. It was like, yo, 
yo, they got naked pictures, yo. So, uh, we, we we put it in our bag and we would like 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 change it out. We'd be like, yo, you can have it <laughs> one day. And he'd be like, nah, you can have it this day. And we would, we was like, you know, like traded like Pokemon cards or something <laughs> like that. So we was at school because we had our book bags, you know, it, it was it was kind of like dangerous to keep it in the house. Cause my parents were Baptists and yo, sex talking about I guess sex or the idea of sex is like it's very taboo in a lot of religious households mm-hmm. and everyone has their own ideas about it as far as their religious background is is concerned but you know it wasn't like the biggest thing we talked about in the house so uh, he got caught with it in his his book bag I don't know you know how young boys Slipping. maybe was showing somebody I don't know what happened and he ratted me out. No. He ratted me out, yo. I was so hurt. I was like, yo, that's, yo, what's yeah, going on? Right. That was you. Right. I you didn't have it in my book bag. I didn't have it in my book bag. So the principal <laughs> called me down. It was funny. He was like, you can't have this filth in my school. You know, you know, you can't have this filth. So he called, he called my mom. He didn't give it back to me. He didn't give it back to me, though. <laughs> he, he, was, he can't have this filth in my school. Slid that in his desk, closed it up. It's <laughs> like, ready to be seen again. So we had to call my mom. Man. It sounds like an episode of Everybody Hates Chris. It sounds like, really it, it like an episode of the, like, like an old Cosby show or something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I get home. The principal called my mom, tells her the situation. My dad sitting in the chair. You know, I mean, what could the principal say? A young man had porn. He said in they his were both bag. involved in bringing this particular Dang. thing in the school. You know, so here I am. My mom was like, basically, she was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, you, you, you don't, we don't bring pornography in this house. You know how I feel about that. She was, I was scared. And then she, <laughs> she went away and she was mad. And my dad was like, that's right. <laughs> he didn't say it, he didn't say it like that, but the way he said it was like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, son. You know, and that was my first lesson about like, I guess. This is Miss Ernestine. Yes. My, my, my mother, Ernestine, I'm not mm. going to say her last name because y'all already know my last the name. The feds are watching and taking pictures. <laughs> the feds are watching. But basically, that was my first little, I guess, introduction into like the, like, I, I guess, boyhood, if you will, of sexuality. What was, you know, what will women talk to you about? Older women, particularly, like how they would talk to you about sex versus how men would talk to you about sex. So I had a, I was still navigating that. You know, this happened when I was like 13, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like, you're in, you know, but you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us about the lessons you got about sexuality growing up as a young man. I got a lot of messages and it was a lot to decipher because my Mom's side of the family is a very open and free type of family. They're very liberal. My father's side of my family is very conservative. So while you talk about like your dad was like like a big cheerleader in the fact of like my son's growing up, he's intru- like like being introduced to these things and he's handling it as as a boy should. Mm-hmm. My dad just did not talk about sex. 
Mm. So it was very interesting. And then on my mom's side, like we got introduced to sex like at a very early age, like maybe like five or six when we started to actually understand and process these things that mm-hmm. boys had different things than girls. Mm-hmm. And so it was very different. Even like now as I get older, like I watch like aunts and uncles, like they'll like make jokes about like like smaller boys in the family, like like as they're like two or three, like they start to interact with little girls and be like, oh, he going to be a player when he grow up this that, and the third. So it's like toxic. I was like, we don't even know. Like he hasn't even. He has no idea what he's doing. (laughs) She has no idea what's going on. Like we're separating them, but we're still cheering on this activity. And so at like five or six, they're like starting to talk about sex like it's nothing. Mm -hmm. And so it was a bit different for me because I think the first time I kissed a boy, I was six. Mm -hmm. And so. It's one of those things where you, I kissed a boy and I liked it type thing. Mm-hmm. So it was different Tame because Perry, right? I was getting all these messages about being heterosexual mm-hmm. while I was doing these homosexual things. And so it's like, okay, so I'm getting all these things and learning all these things, but I don't really know if that works for me. And so I'm having to learn my own thing. And then as I got like eight or nine, then like me and my cousins, like when I would spend the night with my cousins, like... We would be up late watching like BET Uncut. Yes. Or like yes. if my uncle, if my aunt and uncle had paid for like HBO, like we'd be up watching those like soft porn movies. Whoa, yo, so you watched the, yo, we didn't and get with, that. With that, that drastic ass music. And yes. we're just like, oh my God. I'm like, oh, and we would just see like one breast and be like, oh, we growing up. Oh, we got this. Yo, so <laughs> we, there was a time, like, I know there's a lot of people who listen to podcasts. Some of y'all know about this time period. Some of y'all don't. There's a time period where TV went off. Like, it went off. Mm-hmm. Yo, like, it went off. Like, all you saw was, like, buzziness. You know, it was a fuzzy, buzzy, like, white and black noise. So, <laughs> when HBO would come on with the softcore porn, you would see, like, little, for us, if we can't, we can't see it. Like you'll see like little blips of boob and mm-hmm. breast, like from across yeah. the room, or it'd be yeah. kind of like blurry. It would just come in a little spotty, and it'll, it, but it'll have the sound. I'm like oh, mm-hmm. oh, and then and you'll see a boob like oh snap. So it's like they give you some of the information, but they don't give you all of it, and so Absolutely. that was that was a lot for me. Yeah, because I, I, I was like, but I'm getting no messages about what I like, I, and I, so it was. Yeah. It was a lot. Like, I had to make my own message. I was like, okay, so I know that I'm getting older. So, at some point in time, sexuality is going to become a big deal. Because at some point, people get older and they start doing something to make these kids. Like, babies keep coming from somewhere somehow. So, I'm, like, navigating that and figuring that out. And I'm like, so, if I'm interested in boys and I like boys, Mm -hmm. there's no baby making. There's We're not making babies, but what are we doing? Mm -hmm. So, there were a lot of things. And then... As you get older, like, you get into your teenage years, like, people are, like, like you're seeing, like, more sexual things, like, uh, magazines and stuff like that. And it's just like, okay, well, what is, what am I, what am I supposed to be looking for? Mm. So, like, and then, like, with puberty, like, I had my wet dream. Mm-hmm. It was so, so much. And I didn't even <laughs> tell, like, my mom that I had my wet dream. But I legit like woke up. I remember having a, my computer was in my room, and I remember waking up. And I I never understood if this was my wet dream, but like, and it's crazy because I don't even really know if that's what it was. So I woke <laughs> up in the middle of the night and like legit just like peed on my on my computer chair, oh, no. like just 
full screen. <laughs> and then I didn't tell my mom anything. I'm like, I covered it with a blanket. I was like, I woke up. I said, did that really happen? No, that didn't happen. And then I went and touched my chair. I was like, oh my God, that really happened. Wow. So I covered it with a blanket mm. for like months until mm. it dried. Wow. And then I just never said anything about it. And I was just like, maybe that happened to everybody. Maybe Now that I think about it, like everybody experienced their wet dreams. So I was like, oh, maybe that was mine. Mm. But be, at that point, I didn't really know like what messages I was I was supposed to be looking for. So I didn't even really know if that should have been a regular thing as mm. like, far as being a straight male. Or I was like, well, maybe that doesn't even happen. Or maybe that means that I'm gay. Mm. And so I don't know if I need to tell anybody about this yet. Because I don't even really know what it is I want or what if I know what I want I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing mm. so so how did you get an idea of what you're supposed to be doing or what you thought you were supposed to be doing since you weren't necessarily getting those messages from TV or your family even your family who was kind of open with sexuality mm-hmm. there was a obviously heterosexuality is what was mirrored yeah it was like it wasn't as though my, and my family is so interesting because they're so loving so they never like really just like down cried gay people uh-huh. but they just i don't know they just really didn't i guess they didn't talk about it because they didn't know about it mm-hmm. to understand it so like and even now like this and like growing up and like going through encounters and like all the things i've been through like being diagnosed like all of that stuff like they don't know all of those things and it's like you want to teach them so many things but they don't know all those things so they don't know how to teach it to anybody else so mm-hmm. if they don't know anything about it of course they wouldn't teach it to me and then like other um people in my family like older family members that are gay like it was always like taboo so they didn't really just embrace it so it wasn't as though well hey if he may be gay maybe we should put him in contact with this distant cousin to where mm. so mm, that's i just so tried to find the messages that's so interesting because we know that because of i guess how different family members and their ideas center around certain way children should behave or act because that's the way they were taught and that's mm-hmm. the way their parents were taught and mm-hmm. their you know grandparents taught them. You don't always have this evolving sense of sexuality, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's very problematic. I know that that's something that I want to carry to the future. Like I want to be able to talk to anybody and everybody about various subjects Mm -hmm. especially sexuality because i know i would love for my children to have so much knowledge about not just their spiritual spiritual knowledge about themselves not just having information from data and books but what about sexual energy like i love the term sex positive you know being supportive of sex being supportive of supportive of people's bodies i love that that's so important so talking about our narratives of sexuality and the exploration of our sexuality like can anyone tell a key talk about like a key point in your life when you was like whoa maybe i don't know anything (laughs) maybe i got this whole thing wrong maybe i have to go back and look for something that's gonna teach me because i feel in a lot of black communities and no no culturally whether you're white or black 
and you can see this in a lot of cultures. I know this research that is done about it. Like sex is something that is so ostracized and so repressed. People can't even talk about it in a healthy way. There's a lot of people having toxic relationships because some of their family members taught them that uh, particular type of methodology, mm -hmm. uh, that particular type of routine, if you will, to uh, pursue sex, you know? So is there anything that really was like an aha moment as far as like, wait, maybe I'm doing this whole sexuality <laughs> thing wrong? I'm sorry. Well, I was thinking when you first started asking that question about some of the toxic messages that I did get about sexuality just throughout my life. I remember one in particular, <clears throat> there was this young girl. She was younger than I was, maybe middle school, very developed. And I was at my aunt's house. She was also walking to my aunt's house. And these men started yelling at her out their truck, following her, scaring her, basically. Mm -hmm. And when she got to the house with me and all these other adults, her grandmother was there. Um, and she was crying um, it was very clear the message that was sent based on the adults in that room was that uh, the girl was wrong. It was her fault because of how she was dressed and uh, it was her grandma and her mama fault for letting her dress that way and there was no responsibility of these grown men who was yelling at this like middle school girl walking down the street. It was all the girl's responsibility. Mm -hmm. I remember my grandma days telling me all the time like if I bend it over and the top of my shirt rolled in the back that men would rape me. I needed to make sure that I didn't do that. Mm. And then definitely just coming in, not even college, but just throughout high school, the message is obviously you learn all the wrong things about sex from your peers, but there would be all these songs and music that are encouraging sex. Uh, men have this expectation of sex and your sexual prowess as a woman, except you need to be, um, you need to be sexually experienced, but not really because men only really want someone who hasn't had sex. Because if you've had sex, then you're a hoe. But if you don't have, just a lot of really warped messages. And um, so to answer your question, I just think after college. The big thing was like, oh, maybe I'm doing this wrong. Maybe I didn't really understand is that none of them had the right to make me feel like that. Mm. That was a big message because it permeates so much of the culture that women have all these limitations to our sexuality. And uh, it really wasn't so much later that I was like, oh, oh that is bullshit. Mm -hmm. And some man said that. Mm. <laughs> so that was it for me. Mm. Well. <laughs> Did you go on? Oh, <laughs> I think like for me, it was in my teenage years. It was definitely um, maybe around when I was like 13 or 14 like when I started to be more comfortable with who I, I was coming into being more comfortable with who I was. And it was the thing of seeing other gay men that were teased and taunted and like. At school or just in a community? At school. And then even like, like as I got older, I started to notice around my family, like friends of my family, like they would come into my family settings and like see, they would make jokes and stuff like that. And it's like, <clears throat> like gay people really go through a lot. And I was like, mm, I don't know if I may be ready for this. Like you have to have some really tough skin for this because gay people like, like from where we're from, like a small town, like it's kind of like hard for them. Like everybody talks about them, down cries them, like. Tease them, talks trash about them, everything. 
So it's like it's like you're walking yourself into the lion's den. But then in the same token, like you can't really depress like you can't suppress how you feel for that long. At some point in time you gotta be okay with it. Mm. And then that was like the first time and then when I first had sex and <laughs> I had somehow knew that I wanted to play like the the bottom role mm. sexually. Mm. And the first time, I was just like, "Whoa! I don't know if uh, <laughs> if I can do this. <laughs> like, I this is what I've been hearing about, and the messages I got in in the the hetero world was that there's definitely going to be penetration somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is where that's supposed to go, but I don't know if I can do this. Like at first, it was cool. Mm-hmm. Then that first little thrust, I was like, "Whoa! I don't know if I can do this." So I had to really rethink it after that. But do you think I, that would have been different had you had someone just talking to you about what that experience might be like? I mean, if your first time with a heterosexual or it would have yeah. Anything, be and hard. so like I guess it would have been hard for like my like because me and my mom are like way closer because my dad is just like a brick wall. I swear when it comes to emotions and talking mm-hmm. about stuff. But like I don't know if my mom could have like like she can talk to my sister about like her first experience because she can give her her experience on that but like talking to your son about being penetrated it just it wouldn't have just come up and so then like some like maybe a year or two ago i was having a conversation with my aunt and she was just like well we kind of had the feeling that you were going to be gay but we just wanted you to like say when you were comfortable i was like mm. well i wish somebody would have told me that y'all were waiting because i would have brought this to the round table surprise, and then surprise. y'all could have tried to like give me some yeah. messages about what y'all had been through so I would have been a little prepared it wouldn't have been the same but I would have been a little bit more prepared but hmm, I think that that was a, a, a defining moment like I still had to make a big decision for myself like are you going to be able to do this <laughs> I see well growing up for me I think I think my aha moment was like whoa this whole sexuality thing i need to really examine this came in the shape and form of like being a the ugly duck turn into a swan if you will Mm -hmm. like so i was a nerd i was the guy that like you know got all the answers right you know i was funny too i was getting no love from the women nothing but I had love for everybody. I was a good-hearted person. You know what I'm saying? I was, I was innocent. And I was like, everybody, we're going to do our best. And we're going <laughs> to and we're gonna be great, everybody. You know, I was, I was that type of guy, you know? And um, I had the glasses on. And basically, I didn't have the name brand stuff. So, ladies showed me no love. And... At elementary school, I be like, "Yo, you name it, no grade where where the ladies was like, yeah, James, you, you know." And then I remember, uh, maybe my sophomore year of high school, I done got contacts. They done messed up and got you know allowed <laughs> me to get contacts. I came into school. It was like, "Yo, who is this?" He was like Stefan. Yeah. <laughs> I was like Stefan you know? and Raquel. And that was like, okay, let my best friends tell you that was like the uh the uh, the Jamie Foxx era where oh, everybody yeah. was like, you know, and it was a Kanye West to Jamie Foxx era because he came with that um 
She said she want a little Anita. Let me get this party right. Said it would be, could it be? Wow, wow, You know that Jay. I thought it was that song. It was slow jam, right? Yep. I was okay. Slow jam. Twister was on it. You know. So uh, Kylie had the polo on. You know, and uh, I was wearing polos and like button up shirts. I had I had one of my ears pierced. I had like the <laughs> largest. Yes. <laughs> I had nice jeans. You know. A shade. I had yeah, yo. I, y'all was actually, you know, I looked really good for the first time. Yes, I felt good, but I, it, it was so, it was so much because I was an African percussionist, you know, and I was going to different schools drumming and like, yo, I was like ripped, like, you know, drumming since I was like nine to I was like uh, 16, 17. I was really in good shape. I'm still in good shape now. But like going to different schools, girls screaming and stuff, and I wasn't, I wasn't dating anybody, and you know, I wasn't doing all that because it was still weird to me, still very weird. And I was like, what is it that's making me like, call kind of ball up like this, you know, make me not as aggressive as how they taught me men should be about pursuing women. I wasn't like. It just seemed like all my peers talked about was like, yeah, I got this and I got that. Yeah, I went up inside her. I got in those walls and stuff like that. Yeah, we did that and did this. And I was like, why is that? Why is that not me? Why is that not my particular ideal or mindset about sex? And I had to start reexamining that. And I basically start to question how I wanted to interact with women and actually see how I can transition into a healthier mindset because the way I learned was very toxic and it wasn't very conducive for women's livelihood and another aha moment came when I guess I was out of college and I had my relationships and I was sitting down to myself and I was like, I always felt like I should be a service to people. I was like, why does it feel like every time I have a conversation with women that it has to be always sexual? And I was like, I want to change that narrative. I would love to just have more women friends. And once I began to do that, I found so many dope relationships without the sexual implications that men are always wanting. And I learned so much about myself. So that was so dope because all in my youth, I had older men constantly tell me, yeah, son, you, yeah, all you got to do is get the girl. You, you got a girlfriend yet? It was never like, mm-hmm. how are you doing spiritually? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like putting my own perception of how I thought men should be like, yes, these were gurus and they were ancient saints. No, I I get that. But legit, literally everyone, every man that I talked to was like, you got a girlfriend yet? You were lady killer. And I was like, lady killer? What? Okay. (laughs) So like I said, high school was just basically coming into being the ugly duck to the swine, getting all this particular, um, praise from women and being like whoa why what what makes me it 
Mm-hmm. And then trying to examine that, and then actually trying to be friends with a woman, it was like, no, I want more. And I was like, yo, I don't even know you like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I was smart. Not to say they were dumb, it was just like, I wanted more because I was like, I like books, I like reading. So, <laughs> and then going to college and then being like, you know what? I want to even go to a higher place. So I was like, let me, I want to go to a higher place spiritually. So, those are my aha moments of being like, you know what? I want to redefine my sexuality, you know? One of the things that this made me think about was the fact that I never had straight male friends before you that were strictly platonic. Most of my friends who are male are gay men. And those have been really the closest people to me who have, mm-hmm. um, you know, just held me down. I've been able to talk to them about anything. They always have my back. Uh, you... I definitely say are one of my first straight male friends. And I have friends, people that I'm good friends with because of their relationship to other women in my life. Okay. So that's what makes a difference in regards to straight men that I've had platonic relationships with. But just because of all the sort of warped and toxic messages you get about sexuality and how male-female relationships are supposed to work, what you should expect from yourself and what men expect from you, it's very hard to envision and experience very genuine friendship i just didn't know how they were supposed to work i didn't believe in them Mm -hmm. and let's talk about some of the what's it called misinformation misinformation disinformation what is it called when it's something information is not correct misinformation it's called misinformation i want to talk about some of the uh the toxic status quos of sexuality. What are you thinking, Dennis? Where's your head at? Anything that you've just been itching to tell the world? Um, well, as far as like the misinformation, like the, the miseducation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just like within like the gay community itself, so like just as far as like what people know or think they know, mm-hmm. or like how they feel as though, well, if you want to be gay, that that's kind of difficult. That's kind of limited. That's, <laughs> and I had this conversation because I remember telling my mom. I remember I was like seventeen when I told my mom that I was gay, and the next morning it was on a Saturday, and she took it. And she was just like, okay, and like she took it as though she had already known. So it was, it was a relief. But the next morning, um, she had came to, uh, I went in her room because it was, it was Sunday morning. We were going to get ready for church and she was still laying in her bed and she was like, so, you know, in any relationship, whether it's like gay or straight, there's a boy and a girl. I was like, well, I don't think that I'm a girl, but I guess I, you would say I assume the girl <laughs> rolled in sex. And she was like, that's a lot of pressure. I was like. No, no, nobody's made me do anything that I don't want to do. No, that's oh, I thought ever since you told me that story, I thought she went physical pressure. Yeah, and then she was just like, yeah, she's like, no, I mean, like that's physically a lot of pressure. And I was like, I was like, well, mama, you know, I I haven't been having sex that long, but I I've kind of figured it out along the way. And um, she was like, well, that just seemed kind of limited. And I was like. No, it's not. I can do. I said I can do everything you do. She's like, I was like, girl. So we spent Sunday morning before church going over sexual positions. I was like, girl, I can do the same things you do. Like Mm. I just, I just pull my legs back a little bit further than you. Before Sunday morning, 
<laughs> yes. Yes. Before praise and worship, before yes. devotional service, before any testimonies were given. Yes. I was I'm laying riding. on the floor in my mother's bedroom <laughs> going over sexual abuse. <laughs> 99 what else um like a lot of people have like and I, like where we're from like just within the, like in like people being gay like people think like in the south in the south yes the low country people south. think um as far as like with hiv people think that if you get hiv so first of all where we're from like people in my family they just call it aids so there's no difference like you got aids you're about to die mm. and so I have been HIV positive for mm, going on seven years. This September will be seven years. Mm -hmm. And like I told my mom and my aunt that I was positive maybe about three years ago. Mm -hmm. And like my mom was kind of shocked because she was, I guess it was more so in the fact of she had never noticed like there were there was no change in like my health or anything different. Like she was real. Ch- my mom was one of those really chill people. Mm-hmm. Like she takes things in stride. But I think it was just more so the thing of like, okay, like he's been like taking care of himself and he's just been like fine. Like never hospitalized, never sick, never down any of those things. Like never I just had pneumonia. No, yeah, I was like fine. So and I think like in the South, like a lot of people just haven't learned about HIV to understand that like. People are living like long lives with HIV. Like, I, one of my friends when I was in college, she was like, "I would like it doesn't like it may not sound good, but I'd rather have HIV over cancer because mm-hmm. like you get diagnosed with like stomach cancer, like you die within like a couple weeks." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Yeah, true." And so like just being positive, like it's been a little, it's been different and like eye opening in the sense because it's like you notice like how empowering it can be. Like how you don't let it affect you. Like how like nothing's really changed in my life. Like I haven't had to change anything mm-hmm. like it was the thing of getting used to it and talking about it to like not being embarrassed about it to being empowered about it mm-hmm. to where that was a transition but other than that like it hasn't been that difficult and so like i think a lot of people just are like misinformed about certain things and then like a lot of people are afraid of the things that they don't know or don't understand so they don't mm-hmm. educate themselves but I think that's like a major thing just within like the gay community itself like just around sex like okay if you're gay you're going to eventually and <laughs> I got diagnosed um with HIV when I was like a month before I turned 21 mm. and now I'm just chill like so you would think you... like I wear my body out like with all my jobs and stuff but I'm like legit fine like mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. I feel like a regular normal functioning adult <laughs> How did you go about finding access to resources when it wasn't something, when it's obviously something that's so deeply misunderstood and there's not necessarily a lot of people talking about it? And mm. then also, what role do you think that played in your self-care and how you saw yourself, your mental health in general? Was it just a really smooth, like, this is what's happening now and now I have to adjust? Or was there ever any time where it was hard and as far as mentally spiritually yeah i think i know for a lot of people it's been like a, it could be a difficult thing and i know a number of people now just in like networking and meeting people um through being diagnosed like a lot of people had a very difficult time with it but like i remember um when i told you like i um the day i found out about it 
I found out about it at health services on campus. Mm -hmm. And like the lady sat in between my legs. Um, I was sitting up on the little doctor's table thing and she just has such concern in her eye. But I was dating this guy at the time and he had recently got diagnosed a few months before. So we were kind of like wondering if I was positive as well. So it was kind of something that was on the fence. But when she told me, I wasn't like super shocked. And I was like, I'm one of those people where things and like there's two things in life. There's things that you get over like you can fix and there are things that you can't fix. So the things you can't fix, you just pick them up and take them along with you. And so at that time, I hadn't fully understood the diagnosis and how it could affect my life. But at that time, I was like, these are just one of the things I'm just going to have to pick up and keep moving. Mm -hmm. And so she gave me all this information about um, the local medical university of South Carolina that was not uh, nearby campus. And as far as like a, um, an infectious disease doctor and like to put me in contact with them. And like, she gave me this folder, this brown folder. And I just picked, grabbed the folder and I came back to the, Pushed um, it down the, street. the student, the, the multicultural center, because we had stuff to do for uh, black student union. I was just like, this is just one of the things I'm just going to pick up and carry along with me. And I would just figure out along the way, but I wasn't going to let me keep, I wasn't going to let, let it keep me from living my life. And so uh -huh. ever since then, like I haven't like, I don't know if it's because if I haven't had difficulties with it or I haven't had any complications, like I just haven't like really worried about it. And I think that's why it's so easy. Like it became easier for me to tell people about it, like friends and family over time, because it just never presented any difficult for me, a difficulty for me. And then like and people that I told, like they would see like, hmm, like he's been fine all the time. Like mm -hmm. he told me just now and I'm just learning about it, but it's obviously been a while and he's he's fine. Mm -hmm. And so like now I'm just like it's a it's a reassuring thing like and it makes me feel good because like I've been diagnosed going on seven years mm -hmm. but like my friends don't really have to ask me too much about my diagnosis like are you are, like are you taking your medicine how you feeling like because they know that like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of myself and I'm glad that they notice like that within me that I'm going to just keep going and doing and taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. um, as far as living in South Carolina it was more of like coming from a, like a small town where it's taboo to like moving to Charleston for college and like getting um, introduced to the resources. I got put in a medical study for this new drug mm -hmm. um, called Tivica at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I was taking that and like I was getting medication for free. I was getting paid for my visits to go to be in the study. And so that lasted all of, through my college career. Then I moved here and it was more so just finding a primary care doctor and getting my medication. And then a year ago, a little over a year ago, I got introduced to this um, HIV support group here. And it was just like this huge network of people that like, like black gay men living in the Atlanta area that were positive. And so I just got introduced to all these different things. And within that organization, it was just... Um, like they had social events, they have a mental health group, um, a That's fitness awesome. group, dating, like they're big on, um, they have a lot of different like resources as far as like getting medication, mm -hmm. um, seeking care, like having, finding a, a primary care doctor. There's a lot of accountability as far as like they do like pill checks and check-ins to make sure people are taking their medication. Mm -hmm. One guy has his own, um, he started his own nonprofit um, to where he um, distributes food to people that are in need of food. So it's like so many different avenues just within this one network. Mm -hmm. And so it just felt good to like meet all these people and hear all their stories. And so it's been really good. Thanks. Like it's different coming from a smaller place. But when you, I guess I've been blessed to be able to move here and to be, have access to that and be introduced to it. To know that all of the resources are out there. Yes. Like 
your narrative is so powerful and so informative because there there's a lot of people still exploring their own mm-hmm. sexuality and they they really don't know they don't know what to do mm-hmm. even in even in 2017 there's a lot of people who's like so how do i do this how do i c- come out how do i talk to my parents about this it's that gray area you know it's that gray area and i know this is helping a lot of people have i, I hate this sound like cliche more mm-hmm. color <laughs> you know have <laughs> more color to the gray area you know um and we're talking about um demystifying uh sexual toxic sexual norms mm-hmm. and are there any narratives that you wanted to add on to to actually debunking or clarifying what people think is actually normal or sometimes deemed uh the status quo for sexuality yeah one thing that i definitely wanted to say in regard to dennis just sharing his stories that's been really a joy to see you have family and have community that um you can go to and feel confident and get information i um Dennis and some of the people from the group went on this trip. They do all kind of fun stuff. So they went to this weekend cabin trip. <laughs> but Dennis showed me the video of all of them getting ready. I guess it was breakfast time. And all mm-hmm. of these black men in all these different shades and, you know, heights and haircuts. 22 of us. Mm-hmm. All these men were singing Kelly Price as, as we, we lay in <laughs> every part of the harmony and not missing any ad libs. And I'm emotional anyway, so I'm looking, I'm crying at the video because it's like it's so beautiful to see black men just be free and have fun and not feel like they gotta hold their joy in. And mm-hmm. I'd um screenshot the status that you had earlier today, Dennis, where you said <laughs> you had to have been teased, taunted, and beat up enough to be able to wear the skin I'm in now. The mm-hmm. footsteps I leave behind came a long, painful way. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something that I've given a lot of thought to, especially in regards to toxic masculinity and, um, you know, the, the toxic ideas of what it means to be a man and be masculine. The idea that if you are gay, you are less than a man. And... Like I said, I've never known Dennis to not be a boss. Yes. To not have my back, to not to not hold it down and take care of business. There's plenty of men I know who might be heterosexual who aren't half the men that Dennis is. And I um I'm gonna just go a little bit off tangent, but Dr. Daniel Black, who's this really great author and uh a professor at Clark Atlanta, he wrote this excellent book called The Coming, and it is written in um third person about the middle passage so the it goes from west africans being captured and enslaved and then it talks about their experience underneath the ship and one of the really hard things about the book is he talks about the young men the enslaved men who were raped on the slave ship and uh in an interview that uh dr black did with mark mark lamont hill Mark Lamont Hill had asked him, you know, how are you able to talk about this? You know, that's not something that we read a lot. A lot. There's not a lot of scholarship. It's not about a fiction. You know, it's hard enough to really get accurate about how women were raped, let alone the reality that uh, men were raped as well. And he said, you know, basically he was the one who could tell that story. 
-hmm. and he had sacrificed and he had gone through some of the things that you were talking about in this status he had gone through the pain to be able to come out on the other side and tell this story when there were many men who would not have been able to do so mm. you know they couldn't do that and so i just think about how much we are strangled in regards to the toxic messages we've been given about sexuality that men are not allowed to be this that there's only this one way to have sex there's only one way to be seen um how unhealthy that is mm -hmm. we think about how we think about ourselves is this things that we're interested in trying that we can't try if we're not interested in this if we're always getting these messages that you're supposed to be extremely sexual i know one thing i told my brother just out the blue i was like it's important to have lubrication during sex you know people might not tell you that and i know really in the music it makes it sound like women are just supposed to be wet Every second of every moment. Rihanna said she said she does not use any chapstick or lip gloss. Yeah, she and that does. was you know that was a reference. And it, no, Rihanna fans, we're not saying that's what she implied. Like all the time when you have sex, that you are not using any lubrication. But she said I don't have to use lip gloss or put lip gloss on it, meaning her lips. But. <laughs> It's just important. I mean, everybody's body is different. That has to do with how you care for yourself, the type of things that you eat. But um, just this idea that these steps, these pre steps for precaution aren't necessary. And you're not real if you have to do this. I remember my high school boyfriend telling me that anal sex didn't require a condom because you can't get pregnant. And so... <laughs> That's the kind of just sort of inaccurate messages that you get. So you have people uh, out there lost. Mm. One of the things that I wish I, I have conversations with my older cousins now about sexuality, but I wish that I was getting constant conversations about that as I was coming up, that it wasn't so much of something that I had to wait to find out about. Mm -hmm. uh, so often we're just under the impression that the things that we feel are wrong mm -hmm. and um, what that does to your mental and your psyche and how you see yourself and how you navigate through the world messes you up it really does it most definitely does and I, and I like to piggyback off of, uh, Dennis narrative and then what you actually uh, discussed a couple of seconds ago about the things that we're we're learning that we're not learning and how there's so many narratives out there and if we're not being in the environment to be open to it we're still going to be stuck in the same place mm -hmm. um 10 years from now 15 years from now 20 years from now if the and world don't end it, it, i believe with individuals who can can consistently seek peace, honesty, truth, and they're willing to put the work, This the world might end, but that particular spirit will not. So that's where my positive outlook comes from. But still going on the particular topic of debunking these, uh, these toxic sexual norms, we know that it's not cool to be depressed and oppressed or repressed sexually 
and then trying to navigate life. And there's, and it, you know, when I think about the sexual norms that that were toxic, and basically they they surrounded me visually, um, audio audio wise, I would hear these particular things, you know, just by listening and and um, just you know taking in the world around me. I would hear um, going back to the narrative of what I was talking about. Men would be like, okay. You know, you're supposed to get the girl, you know? And then I'm like, and then what? And they would be like, that's it! <laughs> you know, it was like... Like, we can't... There's no skipping to... Yeah, to, it was like... I need step-by-step, yeah. step, I need play-by-play. Play. Like, yeah. what do I do You then? really do need those <laughs> It was like... it, But, like... And then, and then man was like, you never tell a girl you love her. Like, because if you say that, that's it. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. If, if you say you love somebody, and then then we took it to even further extreme forms. Like, so I know this could be um, a particular toxic um, sexual norm for all of our narratives of how, like, if even if you said you love somebody, like that's completely. Um, it's 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 wrong. It violates things. You know, this is punishable. By, it's punishable. It's punishable. It's punishable by death. You know, and I'm like, yo, as a kid, I had love for everybody. I didn't care who it was, woman, man, old, young. I loved everybody, and and I couldn't even tell other young boys that I loved them because there was men like, you don't tell no boy you love him. That's, that's gay. I'm like, what? And if you tell a girl you love them, then you, then you, uh, you gotta, uh, be married or something. I'm like, what? Yo, that's, that, that can't be the way how sexuality works. That that's can't, the oddest thing. That's the oddest thing. So like, so, okay. So check this out. So we know historically we have a lot to weed through emotionally from how we were oppressed, how our ancestors were oppressed. And at many times, they were going through ordeals of rape. Men, women, children. That traumatic experience has seeped into our particular psyche and our, our, and our whole being, and that's been transferred to us. Mm -hmm. So we have that. So a lot of people, they, they might not know, but that's something they have to weed through and find healthier uh, forms of, I guess, rehabilitation to get past that. All right, cool, that's that one point. Then you're dealing with sexuality and you're still dealing with those particular points of trauma where people are not discussing their sexuality because the norm is you don't talk about it. You know, the narrative is women behave and act like this, men behave and act like that mm -hmm. and usually it involves women playing the victim and men coming in being uh, shining uh, or shining knights in armor and saving these you know these very weak women that's the narrative that toxic masculinity spreads is that that narrative I can't say I love individuals I can't say that I love people I can't say that I actually care for individuals because 
we're constantly com combating that love within ourselves too, and that's that's not cool anymore. I can't I can't confine in that particular idea set anymore. It's it's not healthy for me. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I wanted to debunk. I wanted to acknowledge that I could love anything. You know, I didn't want to put a label in. I was just like everybody could be loved, and I wanted to understand how we work you know so it's funny when I hear men say like yeah you know ha, you put your dick in there and you go to work and you just smash that thing up and she gonna like that yeah and I'm like I don't think that's how that works bruh like that's not how any of this works at all. I don't I don't think any like any of this works. okay figuratively speaking I mean there are certain individuals who gets who get turned on from hearing, yeah, I'm gonna you know uh, go up in there and I bend your back, your spine is gonna. I don't know if you. My Tim's are. No, sir, we're not gonna come at New York. <laughs> we're not gonna come at New York. I am from Buffalo. It wasn't. Sorry. A, it wasn't a New York reference. It was a poetry reference. But it's cool. Yeah. Um, I think my bad. Keep going. All I'm saying is the narratives that we hear are completely unhealthy and they have to change if we want to address the mental state of our sexuality towards a healthier manner. I know there are tons of men out there that don't confine to the, the normal status quo of how men should behave or men should act mm -hmm. because that's not true. Right. We're very loving individuals. We're very loving creatures. We should be. You know? And I hate that they put the, uh, you know, woman, you know, they're nurturers and woman. That's true. But men are nurturers as well. Because we both have those energies. Yeah. We both have those energies. We should all have masculine and feminine energy. So, going with that, that particular idea of debunking or demystifying toxic sexual norms do you think it's easier for women to explore their sexuality or men to explore their sexuality it's obviously much easier for women to explore their sexuality particularly from a male gaze where the idea where two women having a sexual relationship is attractive but men being involved with men is supposed to be this very horrible thing it always just struck me about how manipulative it is homophobia in a sense because of all the things that might be really strange like about human beings who you are sexually attracted to and what you do with your body and who you love just doesn't seem like one of the things that we that we need to debate about or understand but I certainly think it's very hard for men to explore their sexuality and realizing that sexuality exists on a spectrum um, that there's probably very few people who are 100% anything mm. um, it's a lot easier for women to explore that but even still like I said from the male gaze so girl on girl relationships are okay if you look if you perform femininity in this way, mm -hmm. you know, that's acceptable. And even still, there are families who reject homosexuality or anything that is not, you know, cisgender, heterosexual. They reject anything. And there are communities who reject that no matter 
what your gender is but i would say uh it's really kind of crippling in that men are not given the freedom to explore themselves and uh when you are not able to explore yourself in one avenue that is restricting because we understand that we operate as a whole so we can't keep one part of ourselves silent and expect there to be health and affluence in the rest of our life indeed then you have any ideas about whether it may be easier for a man to explore <laughs> his sexuality versus a woman to explore her sexuality coming from a background where it was Definitely a, a sexual background was definitely more difficult for men. I have to say that it is easier for women um, just from That aspect of like girl-on-girl relationships. They're more they haven't they're not looked down upon as much as men like men dating a man relationship um, And I think it's just for the, the simple fact of like men are like seen as this one particular type of stoic creature where they're supposed to be this one certain way and there's no deviation from it at all versus where women can start out one way transition to something else if she wants to change back or if she wants to explore all these different things it's okay because they're just seen as these creatures of like that exude love and sexuality itself and i don't know if men are seen to be are creatures of sexuality so mm -hmm. it's just as though like I'm supposed to be a man like I'm supposed to smash this and it's an interesting thing like like well, what you were saying earlier just as far as like you like get all these teachings from like older men like you're supposed to do this are you supposed to get in there you're supposed to do that and then like you're not supposed to tell her you love her because then you have to marry her but these all of these men are married yep like they have kids they have huge families like they like their grandparents they love their grandkids they <laughs> love the fact that their daughters have gotten married to men their sons are getting married like they but then, like, in these conversations about sex, like, you're just supposed to be this, like, free-flying free free animal. And it's like, how does that work? But <laughs> I just, yeah. yeah, it's definitely more easy for women because there's so much, so much stigmas attached to masculinity, way more than femininity. Hmm. Now, I've been thinking about this for a little bit. As far as, like, it being easier for women to explore their sexuality I think or you know men, it being easier for men I always thought in a way because we live in a male driven society we live in a uh, patriarchal society mm -hmm. that the image of how women should explore their sexuality has always been manipulated and controlled Therefore, making it easier for men to explore their sexuality, but not in a way where we're open to learn more about it. Mm -hmm. we, we only explore it to the particular um, negative, to the negative standards of that exploration. So we're like, hey, you can only be this amount of man. Mm -hmm. You explore it to that limit. And then we say, woman... If you do these particular things, you get to explore your sexuality. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're like, hey, I don't want to have sex with anybody, but I want to walk outside with my breast out and, and coochie cutters on. Men are like, whoa, whoa, you're supposed to have a man. What are you doing doing this by yourself? Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Hold up. 
you having another girl with you, why am I not involved? Why am I not in a threesome? So I always felt like, yes, no. Like, yes, women get to explore their sexuality, but at the, the ex, not the expense, but it's only for the, re, the reaction of how men have their perception of how they should do it, I guess. You know, like, and that's always been weird to me. So they're like, hey, you can do this amount of exploring your sexuality be because it turns me on. And then when they actually do radical forms of like self-love and, you know, having multiple um, sexual partners, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't mean explore your sexuality like that. Mm -hmm. That's that's too much. Because I don't I don't understand that. I don't fully I don't fully grasp that. I, I don't know everything about that. So I'm not ready for that. And then we put women on these random ass pedestals. So not only her coochie is supposed to be sewn up and never touched by anything or anyone she's not not even herself she's not supposed to touch herself um but by the time she has sex with us she needs to run <laughs> through at least 50 dudes mm -hmm. to make sure that she's on that sexual level of what we want she from strippers. In she, theory, she needs to have had the sex with a lot of men because she's supposed to just have experience. Yes, mm -hmm. she's supposed to have experience without actual experience. Yes. So we 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 putting <laughs> we're putting you know this job description is like horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> but that's it's it, that's what's really going on. And then when women claim their sexuality, then men start to get. Uh, they feel disrespected in a way. They feel like, how dare you go against my um, my masculinity? When when men start to say, look, I'm actually going to love myself and love, you know, all types of things. Men get scared. They get mm -hmm. scared when other men say, I want to be married to another man. Because they're like, whoa, these are not how I identified the way society should work around me. Mm -hmm. It's not balance. And I'm telling everybody, when you don't have balance as far as your sexual energy, you have feminine and masculine energy, when it's not balanced, nothing works. Like we see a lot of stuff going on and it's chaotic as fuck mm -hmm. because we have this and I'm not trying to just like uh and and, and um in Georgia they call it Jonesing. I learned that from the kids and some of my friends in college. And in North, we call it a ribbon. But I'm not trying to just attack men. I'm just not trying to be like, it's all men's fault. Mm -hmm. But there's a source to a lot of problems. I and mean, it comes from the mouth of men. It comes from the actions of men. And the majority of it is coming from us. And the what we're putting off, women are absorbing it. And they're actually... Embracing, uh, it, embracing it, embodying it. it. Mm -hmm. I've, I've heard on uh, Twitter or Facebook many times, yeah, I gotta stop acting like a dude so I can actually get with the guy I want. And I was like, what? You know, you gotta you gotta be a man and think like a man. And I was like, yo, if you don't burn that Steve Harvey book, I better We're just internalizing it. misogyny and yeah. homophobia mm -hmm. and, you know, not realizing that they, wait, they playing us against each other, y'all. 
Absolutely. Okay. We should all be able to experience or not. Sex positivity doesn't mean everybody should have sex. It means that everybody should have the safety and freedom to explore if they want to. Absolutely. Should have the safety to learn. And if you are not sexually attracted to anybody, that's okay as well. We should all have autonomy over our feelings and um, what we want to do. All right, so I think we've had an excellent conversation. We didn't go too deep into like actual um, sex capades, which is probably okay. We'll save that for another time. But I wanted to close up and talking about if we could go back. And James talks about time traveling all the time, just taking the time to either talk to your past self or your future self, or really, you know, talk to who you are right now. If you could go back and talk to your younger self, what would you tell them about sex? What would you have wanted your younger self? To know. You repeat that for me really slow. You did a good If you, you just... had the opportunity to go back and talk to your younger self, what would you tell your younger self about sex? What is it that now you wish you had known then? And of course, we want to give these messages to our younger selves in the most loving way possible. Mm. I would say, I would tell my younger self that. The more you learn about your energies, the more you will learn how to treat all types of sexual energy that exist. Because though we define it as masculine and feminine energy, there's really no label to it. It's so it's bigger than us. But if we are going to define it as such, I would tell my younger self to constantly be open to receive it and stay away from them toxic norms of how a man should be or how a woman should be. Go out and explore or define that for yourself. And basically, that's it. I would start with Sarah. Your mama is right. She know what she talking about. Just go ahead and listen to her because she right. Also, I would tell younger Sarah that you the bomb. You know, you super fly. I know you don't feel it all the time, but you're awesome. And if you just trust how you feel and how you think, you'll be quite all right. Uh, it's important to know how powerful you are. It's important to understand your energy it's important to understand that sex is an energy exchange and that it's magic. And um, just continue to embrace who you are. Don't allow anybody to make you feel small. Who you are is okay. I think that message definitely translates to, uh, to sex because there are some decisions that I made based on poor understandings of myself. So that's what I'd say to younger Sarah. You the shit, girl. I would tell my younger self to love and embrace yourself more before you worry about loving and embracing anyone else. Mm -hmm. Because when you've done that, loving someone else won't be as, I guess, as drastic or as dangerous as it can tend to be when you don't love yourself first. Mm -hmm. And so in doing that, things 
are going to be super easier, but you'll appreciate things and experiences much more. Mm. Um, I would definitely tell myself to drink way more water. Yes. And to be okay with your body. And in loving yourself, be okay with your body because it, later on down the road, it's all going to work out. Yes. It's Indeed. all going to work out. And whatever doesn't work itself out in the wash will definitely work itself out in the rinse. So don't tell worry it. about Come it. Come on. It doesn't work out the first time around. Tell it. That's what I would tell my younger self. Yes. So, once again, we thank you for joining us on this episode of We Fly. Yes. Um, Sarah, can you tell the wonderful people out there where to find you at? Absolutely. You can definitely find me on Instagram and Twitter at Sarah Makiba, S-A-R-A-M-A-K-E-B-A. I actually had this really bizarre exchange on Twitter today, so if you follow me there, you'll probably see that. But um, yeah, check me out. My website right now is down, but I'm making a lot of progress, so I'm looking forward to sharing that with y'all. And uh, that's where you can find me. What about you? You can find me at Jaha Smith on Facebook. You can find me at 100% Dark Matter on Instagram. And my website is down as well. So if you come over to the We Fly podcast page. On Facebook. On Facebook. We Fly podcast with Sarah McKeever and Jaha Smith. You would definitely see Like and follow. And follow. And follow. Thank you. You'll see updates about everything from there. So, say for instance, you're like, where's James on uh, Instagram or Twitter? Find me on on, uh, Facebook. Find me on the We Fly podcast page with Sarah McKeeba and Jaha Smith. And you can find updates about everything that we're doing. Then, where can people find you? On, I have just reached the social media world. I just thought about it. I am horrible with like my handles. You can find me on Instagram. He's undeniable with two N's. Clever. On Twitter, my Twitter handle is at access denied with two N's. Okay. Um, and my website is actually um, for my business. So if you want to learn a little, little about me and how I can possibly help you. Um, my website is www.meerdreamevents. That's M-E-R-E-D-R-E-A-M events with an S dot com. Yes, and he got some dope events coming up. <laughs> yes, so he does. get him to plan your stuff, y'all, because he is a professional. He'll have your stuff looking nice. Professional. <laughs> Thank you. You remember that Medea movie where um, there was a wedding? And there was like black angels hanging from the sky. Dennis did that. (laughs) I did not do that. I can't even take ownership for that. But I can definitely make that happen. Yeah. I I don't know somebody who heard that. It was like, oh, he supports Medea and everything. No, there's uh, in the beginning of my days. I nah, was like, don't act like everybody was watching. The everybody was watching. Them. Everybody, everybody had, had, had to play. Yeah, had to play. In five hour VHS. Um, and now, and then, and then we got woke. We was ah, like, oh, he's wearing a dress and nah. And I was like, look, y'all, come on now. So before we go, we always like to give you credible sources 
to help you out as far as explain anything that we talked about in the podcast. And basically, I want to give a shout out for some resources. And the first resource is, is www.out.com. It talks about the exploration of uh, sexuality and labels. And if you visit that site, it has tons of articles about different stories and narratives of people who are reclaiming their sexuality. Uh, I also want to shout out the Body Is Not An Apology online magazine. And it talks about uh, sexuality as well. Um, they have tons of articles that discuss and break down the infrastructure of masculine and feminine sexuality and it's very powerful to read those articles and learn more and then there's another place it's called project muse i want to shout out project muse and basically this is a wonderful place to do more scholarly research now sometimes it the site looks a little bit like it's hard to navigate but it's not it, it, it tricks you to think like you need to be on a campus to access it, but most of them you could download all the files from that particular site, PDF format, and you can read it right online. It's pretty cool. And it, it does talk about different research about sexuality. And Sarah, do you have any resource you want to shout out before we uh just we head two, out? just two Instagram pages that I like to follow. One is Nerissa Nefertari. N-E-R-I-S-S-A-N-E-F-E-T-E-R-I. And uh, her Instagram bio says, Saving the world one poem poem at a time. Mm. Dr. Yoni Poppin, sexpert, love family, DBZ model, lingerie, fem health, sexology, Reiki. And uh, she's just very, obviously, sex positive, open. She's raising this very lovely little sex positive girl who knows also all the body parts and knows about Yoni eggs and knows how to care for her body um another page is pangea's garden mm. and that is also on instagram p-a-n-g-e-a-s garden and um they are an online community for creatively uninhibited sensual image sets columns and features on afrocentral trends in art music and culture and it's definitely um important to have representation in all forms so check them out and my last little shout out is to um, somebody who's changed my life for the better. And um, this individual's, individual's name is Mr. Marcus. Bye, James. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and good day. We want to thank Dennis so much for <laughs> chatting it up with us, Dennis. We really appreciate you. I love you. You thank bar. You for yes, me. thank you. It's always you a pleasure. Black to, magic, I swear. To listen, Woo-hoo. to learn. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your life with us. We care. We understand. We love and respect you, Dennis. I love you guys too. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a great experience. Thank you. And with that being said, we thank you for listening. And thanks thanks for for flying flying with with us, us, y'all. Peace.